0: Hello everyone and thanks for joining me again and welcome to my latest Player Support Services podcast. Today I'm thrilled to be talking to former club and international professional footballer Mark O'Brien about his life, his love of sport and the challenges he's faced during and after his career. Uh, Hi Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Looking forward to it yeah it's great great to talk to you and you know it's it's so nice to 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 professional footballers and and athletes who played at the elite level and kind of find out what's happened to them and, and how, how things have developed for them since the game so if you wouldn't mind starting I'd really just to, like to talk to me a bit about your background your childhood and your upbringing
1: um basically look I, I'm I'm from Dublin um like I, I lived in Ireland until I was 15 um I probably started playing football and sport and and stuff like that from, from the age of like seven, eight years of age. And as I said, I think back then I only just played really for the fun of it. And my brother, two years older than me, used to play. So anything that he done, I kind of followed in his footsteps and, and, yeah. and I kind of done. So it was never really something where um, I was thinking about doing professionally. I was really just enjoying playing. And as I said, when I was younger, I was I was someone that was just into all sorts of sport athletics and anything you could name i I was just i I was doing just like a normal a normal child but um i think as it started to get to around 11 12 years of age um when things start developing ireland where you start getting selected for um county teams like me the dublin the dublin county like you go play a tournament and i got selected for that and i was i was captain of that and as I said, you, you go to them tournaments and, and people start taking notice of you and people start giving you that bit more of a confidence boost or recognition to say you have a chance of, of potentially making something of a career to this. And As you say, the, the more the more different tournaments and different things that i done and then getting selected for young international sides, um, it was something where by the age of 13, 14, um, I started getting selected for going away on trials to some English clubs. And like I said, from from that age on, I, I was kind of like engrossed in football to think that this is exactly what I want to do. Like, I don't want to do anything else. And I, I, I put all my energy and put all my um, time into wanting to be a footballer. And, and I don't think there was anything that was going to stop me one way or another.
0: So it's interesting, isn't it? Because you obviously, I hear a lot with with athletes. They 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 excel in sports of all kinds initially, and then they kind of hone in on one. So up until about 14, 15, excuse me, <coughs> uh, up until about fourteen or fifteen, you weren't really sure what you wanted to do. Was it you weren't always set on? I mean, when I was young, I wanted to, I wanted to be a professional footballer for Liverpool. That's what uh, it was. Never going to happen because I, you know, I've got no coordination. and and I'm not very fast and I can't run I've got two left feet so um it was never going to work for me but you didn't start like that it sounds it sounds like you just started playing and then developed it after that
1: yeah like literally that's what it was like I, I started playing like as I said around eight or nine years old and and it was playing for the fun of it it was it was going up because my brother was two years older than me and he was playing for a for the local football team and I just thought well I'd like to play and as I said, it was just something that I fell into football, really. Um, but at the same time, it was the more that I kept going training, and the more that I kept um, playing. I think managers and people were noticing things about me that obviously they were telling me parents at the time that Mark's a really good player. Like we want to keep <laughs> him up around here. And as I said, I was just I was just enjoying it, and I was just enjoying the fact of getting to run around, chase a ball around, and like I said, the more the the older that I got, were they? Um, the more I started to kind of realize that there could be something in this for me and as I said by the time I got to 11 12 years of age it was it was something where I was I was nailed on football was was all I wanted like and I was the typical Irish lad that I played Gaelic and um, for like I played Gaelic around and you just you just do all all sorts of different sport and just football is something that grabbed me and as I said from there on in it was something that I just taught my own mind that if if i could do this as a career and you know, i could play football every day and i could train every single day it was it was like a dream to me and it was something that like i said the dream started to become a reality at like 13, and 14 when i was able to go away to to english clubs and and go on trial and and try and then um, progress into mm-hmm. into making a career of it and as i said i was lucky enough that teams took a shine to me and and um, i had that opportunity of going away when i was 15
0: and do you think uh, luck came into it a lot or do you think, you know, something back then you, you kind of made your own luck? Um, I think a bit of both, really. Um, I think I
1: created my own luck because it was something where when I was playing, I was proper dedicated into playing. I was I was kind of, the way people described me back then, I was really old-fashioned. I was kind of a raw player where I could kick a ball, head a ball and defend. And yeah. People felt as though they could develop me along the way into being able to play a bit more football. And But they told me that the raw characteristics of being a defender and what can make it is something that came naturally to me. So they kind of let me express myself being me as a defender, but then also they tried to hone in on what's going to get me to that next level and what's going to help me be professional. And as I said, everybody who helped me along the way, and it was something that, when people gave me the opportunity, I, I was taking it with both hands every single time, and I was just enjoying playing. And like I say, it, it just became me life then, and became a passion that all I could ever think about was football. And I don't think anything was going to stand in my way.
0: Yeah, really, uh, really impressive. And it's that focus and drive, isn't it? That you, when you fall into that zone, you, you kind of hit that spot that you know the sweet spot you want to be. It's a fantastic feeling. Did um, we, you, your parents and brothers supportive?
1: Yeah, everybody was real supportive. Um I think as an Irish mum, um, my mum was kinda hesitant in letting me leave leave the house because obviously they want to keep family really close in Ireland, but I think when they know it was my passion and it was something that was my dream, um, everybody was so supportive because I've got a cousin, um, Clifford Bourne who's um, obviously retired now and he's assistant manager of Hull City, he was away in England and he was playing a, a full-time professional career, so I kind of had an insight on what it might take to be a professional, whereas one of his words to me when I was leaving Ireland and going to sign for uh, Derby County at 15, mm-hmm. he said the easy thing is actually getting over there he said the hard thing is staying over there especially as an Irish player because he said the hard work starts when you actually get there, so like what you might think of getting away might be the hard task of getting noticed. It's the hard thing about staying in football because you're yeah, being selected where there's thousands of kids and at the time you don't realise there's that many kids that want to be a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. You're just one of them. So when you get that opportunity, you have to take it with both hands and, and thankfully and luckily um, everyone supported me along the way and and I was uh, lucky enough that I got given the opportunity and, and, I, and I did thankfully take it with both hands.
0: And then, so you you got um, accepted into an academy, uh, and wh- where did you go? And how did you find that? Um, I went to Derby County when
1: I was fifteen years old, and like I said, it was it was something that was so eye-opening and and it was exciting because normally people who move away from Ireland they can suffer with a bit of homesickness because you're moving to a different country. But to me, I was I I never ever once suffered with homesickness because I knew. I get to play football every single day. And me yeah. getting to play football every single day overcame any sort of homesickness that could happen. And don't get me wrong, even till this day, I always still miss home and I miss my family and I miss people like that. But I think the love of football and, and, and the drive and the fire that I had inside me, there was going to be absolutely nothing that stood in my way. And if that meant moving halfway around the world, and coming across the water to England,
0: mm-hmm. I, was,
1: I was going to do it just so I could actually... Trying and throw everything into trying to be a professional footballer,
0: and and how was it at Derby? Were they was it you know thoroughly enjoyable? Hard work?
1: Um, I'd say it was probably a bit of both. It was it was obviously very enjoyable. It, it's a club that's close to my heart, and it's a, hmm. it's a club where I felt as though I grew up and matured a lot as a person. And um, it was hard work because what you think is kicking a ball every single day and you can't wait for it. It's a lot hard work because you don't really know what a pre-season is. You don't know what training every day and of course you just think it's going to be training like you've done in Ireland, but the intensity levels are a lot higher and the physical levels are a lot higher. But again, Derby were so welcoming and it's a place that I've always called. It's like a home from home for me. Like I just felt so comfortable. Everybody from... Um, the dinner lady to the managers to the coaches to the players, everybody in in it was just so welcoming for me and as I said it, it's a, it's a place that's really close to my heart and it's a place that I still stay involved in till this day and like I said it's 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 something that it was a mixture of both being difficult but then again um, I got to, I got to play football every single day so I, I was I was happy. Yeah,
0: yeah. And um, if you if you're thriving on that challenge you're always gonna love it, aren't you?
1: Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's what I mean is that if I got to go out and train every single day and this was a job slash I was I could do whatever I wanted in the training ground and, and train every single day and play matches by the end of it, it was it was it was I was living my dream.
0: Yeah. And how did you find it with the other lads? Because presumably you had a close knit group of friends. That presumably stayed, you know, year on year, season on season, and then people coming and going. It seems to be quite often with the academy. How was how was that to be living in that system?
1: Um, it was it was difficult because, as you say, you create great bonds with people in in um, in football, and like the football team that you are with is like a small family to you. And especially when you move away from home, you do get like you do treat it like a little family. And as I say you just get along with everybody. So when you see certain people come in and out the door, I think you learn from an early age that that's the art of football. One minute or one season, you could be with somebody and the next season, you're with a completely different group of players. And like you say, it's, it's something that you kind of have to get your head around really quickly and and it's something that you can't really dwell on. But again, you come across some amazing people, which I have in football and I've come across people that have been friends for life and it's something that I'll never change.
0: Mm-hmm yeah it's 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 a strange world isn't it but it's it's one to be really thoroughly enjoyed and 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 experience you you know live it to the full whilst you're there I think Um, yeah definitely I was I was gonna ask you so then from the academy you then got a a contract who did you go to um
1: from from the academy I I ended up I I stayed at Derby County for five six years um I was lucky enough at 15 um, when I first moved over, I played a full season and luckily enough I made my debut at 16 for Derby County. So I was still quite young and in that first year, I kind of got to live my dream really. Everything went from strength to strength to strength and again at the end of that season, I was 16 years of age and I was playing in a force team in front of 25,000 people (laughs) against Watford. So to move away from Ireland and within one year I was I was doing something that I really craved and was passionate about. It just felt like one big dream as it, like has happened to me. And when I made that debut in front of thousands of people, it felt as though this is exactly what I've wanted. Like this, this is the life I want. And like I said, there was going to be nothing that was going to stand in my way. And as and and, and something like that it just, just sparked inside me where I knew I made the right choice in, in, in every decision that I made.
0: Yeah. And I think there's that huge rush, isn't there? That adrenaline rush, that kind of uh, assist, that feeling you can't replace uh, of playing in front of thousands of people and having them cheer and support you. And sometimes heckle, I guess. <laughs> but I think <being> part <laughs> of that, you know, that feeling. Yeah, definitely.
1: Like that that feeling in itself is is something that I think, I think retiring as I have, I think it's hard to replicate um, the adrenaline rush, like having roars of a crowd that boo you to like cheer you on to everything. I, I think it's something that is very really unique. And when you have the opportunity to experience it or people get to experience their own adrenaline rushes to whatever they do, I think it's something that is so, so hard to replicate. And that's why like in that moment, there are moments that like I'll never forget and I'll always hold on to. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. They're just incredible. Uh, it's, you know, you're talking about living your dream and you talk about the highs, were there any kind of lows that you didn't expect as a professional footballer?
1: Um, the lows that I probably, that I could probably take on to, to say that not a lot of people pay attention to them is, is you don't get as much family time as you expect living away from Ireland. I, I didn't get home to Ireland for months on end. See me family for months on end. Um, nice. Like you, you miss out on Christmases. You miss out on New Year's. You miss out on on birthdays that people might be having. You miss out sometimes on your own birthday with family. And like you say, they're all the sacrifices that you learn along the way. That that's that's what it takes to be a professional footballer. You, you get paid money to to kind of do a job and. Sometimes I always say people lose track of that football as our, our normal humans as well like that it, it is a difficult as as much as i I understand football can can be really rewarding with with the money that i can that can that I can show to you, but at the same time, you try and say to people when you have a specific diet and you try and say to people right you you don't get to see a family for Christmas, you might be training on Christmas day." play games on Boxing Day and yeah it's a great dream and it's a great passion and when it is your passion you'll do anything for it but they were the difficult times for me where you're on a phone call from your family on a Christmas day or a New Year's is coming in and and you're getting phone calls for everybody to say Happy New Year but you're laying in bed because you've got a game the next day and them times are really difficult but again I think like you say the, the love of football takes over and you know you're over there for a job so it's what needs to be done, but it doesn't mean it gets any easier.
0: No, I think you make a very good point. I think certainly the athletes that I work with, the professional athletes, often they feel that they can't sometimes talk about the bad things that have happened to them or the kind of the mental pressures and things like that because they feel they've been in a privileged position and that people don't either understand the pressures on them or don't want to listen and don't want to understand because they just see us having this idyllic life yeah and i think that's how sometimes it
2: comes across is that don't get me wrong i don't sit here and and say that like it's not an amazing life because as you say if, if you do be successful in football it's it's probably one of the best experience you can have and at the same time, it's it's the sacrifices that come along with it. Like you say, you have to be careful of when you have like time off or your off season when you can get to go away on holidays or you go back to visit family. You still get given like a, a training program that you need to keep fit for that. You don't really get to enjoy as much off time as you expected to enjoy. And like you say, that the, there's there's a lot of sacrifices that go into it. But more on a personal level, where when it comes to family and friends and stuff like that, that people do get to celebrate and enjoy when you're in professional football, it becomes far and few between. And that's why I always say that football and the people that you come across in football are like a family because sometimes you do need to rely on them for them kind of moments because you don't have your actual family around you.
0: Yeah. That rings very true to me as well. You know, going away with the military at times at Christmas, uh, you know, birthdays, the, the family events that you miss and you form a very close bond with the people that you're with. Um, because you've got that shared experience. Uh, so that brings, you know, perfectly true to me as well, and, and it will do to an awful lot of my audience who are kind of in the military system as well as the sporting world. Um, I was gonna ask you, so things were going really well and then um and around two thousand and nine things took a turn for you, didn't they?
2: Yeah, um, like the year I made my debut, like obviously went back to Ireland, everything was amazing and I like I I felt as though right I'm on to that I'm on to that like stage where I'm at that doing really well and I go in the following season to progress it and I went back to Derby that that pre season and I had a routine heart scan and found out that I had a leak in aortic valve which is something that I never I never knew I had. It was something that was picked up just because of a routine scan. I never really had any any side effects or any anything to kind of indicate that that I had a problem and yeah um I went to see a lot of specialists and the specialists said to me that I won't need an operation for 50 years and football will be long gone and you can enjoy your career and maybe sometime later down the line you'll need an operation but then as time passed and I kept on training um I went for more scans and found out it was progressively getting worse and I remember till this day um Sitting in a doctor's room waiting on a specialist and a surgeon to come in and I was with my family and the Derby County physio and I remember he walked into the into his office and he had a model heart in his hand and he said, Your heart is three times the size of what it should be and if you don't get the operation done this year you're gonna die.
0: Go and
2: how how old were you then? I was only sixteen. Jeez. Right. So when you get told that at sixteen, I think being naive was a great thing and being so young was a great thing because I never really kind of took on what he was saying. I kind of felt like an out-of-body experience. I think he can't be speaking to me. Like, I've just made my debut last year. This is something that can't be said to me. Yeah. And then um, I could see, obviously, the shock on my family's faces and, and stuff like that. And he told me the procedures that can happen. And <laughs> my only question to him was, okay, what procedure, do you, what procedure can you do? that allows me to play football and me being 16 was <laughs> that was the only question i asked and yeah like i say that that in itself kind of just <clears throat> kind of showed me that when i look back on it that football was was a massive part of 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 my whole recovery and everything where he told me i'd be lucky enough to probably go down play the park with my friends let alone play professionally i got told the valve is not guaranteed to last from a year to f- a maximum of five years and um, and right so i got given a procedure of a pigskin valve and i got told well if it takes to your body really like if it takes to your body well then you have a chance of playing but i'm not guaranteeing that I, that I will or they told me that they had a story of of a gymnast that came in and she had the same operation as me and our valve um didn't take to our body and and uh, start leaking again within eight months of our operation so i, I like they gave me all the kind of ifs and buts and like I said at 16 I didn't feel as though I took all that in but there's stuff I remember till this day and I'll never forget it and when he when when they told me the procedure I just said okay I'll have that one because if I have a chance or a small glimmer of potentially playing again I said I want to give it the best chance that I've got and um, I ended up having the operation within the two weeks of when the when I when I spoke with the surgeon and within that two weeks um, I flew home Derby let me go home to my family and friends and as you say, I ended up having the operation in the October of that year. And then by April, May, at the end of that year, I made the first team bench again and I was back playing. And <laughs> it was it was a kind of crazy turnaround. But again, it was Derby as, as a unit that supported me massively. Nigel Clough as a manager, giving me a new three-and-a-half-year contract since I made my debut. And having that belief that I'll get back was something that played a massive part in it. Um, Steve Haynes who was the physio at the time and Neil Sullivan um, who were there as well Um, both of them like obviously it was new to them, they'd never rehabbed a heart before so it was all kind of guesswork really so they kind of just went on how I was feeling and what they kind of knew on a fitness level and, and a physio level to what we can and can't do and like I said I just found myself progressively getting better and better and before I knew it the distraction and love of football took over again and I knew the end goal was me getting back to playing football again, so I didn't feel as though anything was going to stop me. So I just treated it as an injury rather than open-heart surgery to how extreme it actually was. And by Mm -hmm. the time I was back playing, it was like I never had open-heart surgery and I just continued playing again, which was, I look back and say, it was strange and it was very kind of naive of me to to (coughs) not really take on board what it was. But again, I think, being 16 is one of the main reasons why it probably helped me get back and actually having the opportunity to play football was something that, um, having the opportunity to play is something that drove me on and, and gave me that that uh, kind of end goal to, to fight towards.
0: Hmm. And did you at any point in that time, that kind of six months, doubt yourself? It doesn't sound like you did.
2: I think, <clears throat> and, and, and I think that's one of the main things. I think at 16, I never doubted myself and that was something that I look back now and say yeah it comes across as a as a strong mentality but I think Mm. to me I didn't know any different other than okay I got told I might be allowed to play football okay let's play football so I'm going to do everything I can to play football and until the hospital doctors tell me I can't well then I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep trying and as I said I had the right people behind me and the right physios and fitness coaches that were working with me every single day were making sure I'm okay had the right equipment in that when I was training I could monitor my heart rates to everything and like I said they 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 went above and beyond for me and the manager himself went above and beyond and was phoning me each day to make sure I was okay when I was back in Ireland and just little things like that that as you say not a lot of people would know about kind of gave you that little bit of hope that if these believe in me well then I'm going to do everything and I can to repay all of them to get back playing and show them the same kind of fight and show them the same kind of loyalty that they're showing me right now, and as I said, that was something that <laughs> is hard to come by in football, which I realised. But at the mm. same time, um, I I had it at such a young age, so I I feel as though that was the 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 turning point and a bit of luck that I needed at the beginning of my career to to give me that chance to actually progress and actually have a career.
0: Yeah, I think you made a really good point there that you, you don't see it that often in football. And I think you probably don't see it, certainly in my experience, that often in, in you know, sport in general. But mm. that human touch, that fact that people were, you know, looking after you as a person, not just your fitness, but how are you? How are you managing? And people, you know, within the management structure as well, contacting you just to see how you're getting on. That, that, that's, that's something I don't hear that often.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's something that like I say, it's I owe a lot to Nigel Clough as a manager because as I said, he, he had that he had that personal touch to it. He phoned me up when I went back to Ireland after my operation and he was making sure I was I was doing the walk and the hospital was making me do. He was making sure that I'm feeling okay. He was phoning my family to make sure they're okay. And like I said, he just went above and beyond with those personal touches that I was getting treated as a person I wasn't getting treated as he's one of my players and I need him back fit he was I was getting treated as just make sure you're okay and mm-hmm. even to this day after me after my next operation Nigel Clough phoned me to make sure I was okay again so like I say touches like that in football are far and few between and like you say yeah. in sport probably yeah but the stuff that you never forget and that people that will always like be close to you because as you say they, they actually treat you as a person so yeah. that kind of respect that kind of respect level will never be lost.
0: Yeah. They were there for you when you needed them. Yeah. Um, and I think because so few people are in, you know, everyone, everyone gives you a good story and everyone's there. They they, they say the, the right things, but until they prove it, I think that's why we remember those people, isn't it? Because hardly anybody, you know, they all talk a talk, but they don't walk it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And as you say,
2: you do come across them kind of people in life, but luckily enough for myself, um, like I, I I've had a lot of people along the way that uh, like I've 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 always just been myself and I've had a lot of people along the way who who have just taken to me and gotten on really well with and as I said I've made some great memories and some and I've met some great people on football that even till this day I still stay in touch with and as and and I think that's that's down to something where like I said maybe me as a person people people have just gravitated towards me and see me as as just a normal person like I don't yeah. treat people differently like from everybody in the club, all get treated with the same respect and obviously they 've shown that same respect back to me and when you show When people are shown general interest in your actually health and well being I think that's something that does be missing when you 're in sport because, as you see, people see it as an athlete and people see it as living a great life. But at the end of the day, even as athletes and even as footballers and other sports people, you still need to have those people in your life that actually want to know. How are you actually doing in yourself and how is, how is your like health coming along and how are you when you're down and out? And if those people are always around you, then, like you say, you can achieve anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really important. And, and sadly, probably lacking, I think, for for a lot of people when really it makes a huge difference. Um, just moving on, there, so you, you got back into, you know, playing at, at full tilt. Uh, were you at any point did you kind of think well, you know I've got to take it a bit easier or is it because of your age did you just think no I'm going to go 100 miles an hour and just push it for as long as I can um
2: I think <laughs> I think I was the latter I think I, I just yeah. pushed it to 100 mile an hour and I just got straight back into the mold of mm-hmm. right I'm back playing football again so once I'm back playing that's all that matters like and I'm going to give it my best shot because that's the reason I had the operation to give it my best shot and I think maybe sometimes, and I look back at it now, that's probably what moulded my career, that mm. every single season, because not a lot of people knew, but every single season that I played, at the end of that season or in the middle of that season, I would have to get a routine heart scan to see if I was allowed to continue or not. And right. that was something that no, not many people knew, but I had to obviously carry that around with me. So every so often, like every six months to a year, I'd go back to the hospital, I'd get a scan, they'd tell me my valve was okay, and then I'd think, okay, right, go back out and play again because if the hospital were giving me the all clear well then I had no reason not to kind mm. of keep progressing and going for football but as I said there was always going to be that one time that the valve wasn't okay mm. but until then my career was play year to year give it my best shot and have the best year to me life and if it's not the best year to me life well give it me best shot and just enjoy it and not let too many things get to you because like I said my career was potentially on a time scale that nobody ever knew about so when I did get injured or certain things happened to me that wasn't heart-related, it kind of affected me a lot worse because I felt as though am I wasting a year and after this year, if this injury doesn't heal or if I don't get quite back the same. So I feel as though sometimes the heart operation is what pushed me through certain injuries, hmm. but also it affected me a lot more mentally and it got me down a lot more because I knew my career was on a time scale and I didn't want to waste any moments.
0: So yeah, and at one point you injured your anterior cruciate ligament, didn't you? And that kept you yeah. off for a while. So that hit you harder than the, the heart. Yeah, that
2: hit me a lot harder because the heart is something that I kind of knew in my head is out of my control. It was mm-hmm. something that I can't control. So what will be will be with that. Whereas an, a cruciate ligament is something where, yeah, when I done it, it was out of my control. Obviously, it was it was a freak accident. But mm. I think knowing that it wasn't my heart and this injury itself is something that's stopping me playing. That affected me a, a lot more because I felt I felt okay in myself. I didn't have a doctor telling me I couldn't play again. I just got given a time limit of saying it could be your whole season out. You could be out for 10, 11 months. But I always knew there was going to be an end goal to it. So in my mind, I was thinking, okay, let this just hurry up. And, mm-hmm. But the, the fact that it was stopping me playing and I was still getting to go watch the lads train and I was still in the training ground every day and I was still doing the rehab and stuff and it was something that just affected me so much more than than, and I know injuries can affect a lot of athletes and a lot of people because it's something that you don't want to you don't want to come across. But I think just on a personal level, for me, it affected me that bit more because of I knew my career wasn't just as as straightforward as everybody else's, where you're going to retire in your mid 30s and you're going to have a full long career. It was more of I don't know which one is going to be me last, so I want to be out playing every single year to give it me best shot and. As I said, it was something that, that did get me down and it was something that I think a lot of people knew or the people who were close to me knew that it was affecting me. But again, I think having that steely mentality of knowing this is for football and I'm going to get me back, get myself back playing from football and the mentality shifted in a way to say if I can get back from open heart surgery, an ACL is going to be easy. If I can get back from open heart surgery, any injury that comes my way is going to be easy. So I kind of seen the silver lining in in such a operation as Open Arts surgery, to be my driving force to say, well, if I can do it from that, when no one give me a chance and not even a hospital give me a chance, well, then I can I can do it for anything.
0: You can do anything, yeah. So whilst that was going on then, did you ever, whilst you, could you, you say you, you were on a finite kind of lifespan, if you like, as a as a, a professional footballer, did you ever consider what you were gonna do next? Or did, you, did that not even enter your mind because you were just focused on, you know, playing day to day, staying match fit? Or did you ever think, well, I know it's going to end sooner possibly than others. What am I going to do next? Or or did that just not cross your mind? See, and and I think looking back,
2: it should have crossed my mind. But I think in the mentality I was in, um, I just wanted to focus everything into football because I didn't know when it was going to finish. So I didn't want to regret or I didn't want to lose out on memories because I was trying to focus on what's going to happen after football. I didn't want to have that kind of... In my mind I seen it as negativity to see what am I going to do after football in my mind because I just thought if I'm gonna stay positive, I'm gonna give football the best opportunity possible and I'm gonna dedicate myself to it and I'm going to train as hard as I can and like I say, I, I just threw myself into football and like I said, whatever was gonna happen after was gonna happen after because I seen it as do you know what, it's out of my hands what may happen after football and it might end this year to next year but you know what, they're going to be the best two years of my life. And that's how I always seen it. This year is going to be my best year. I'm going to make some great memories and I'm going to give it me all. And if the hospital say that next year is fine, right next year is going to be my best, my best year. And I always just lived my life that way. And I think if maybe I didn't have the open heart surgery, maybe I could have focused a lot more on, right. Maybe at this age, I'm going to retire and I'm going to be able to maybe progress and go into something different. But, I think just for the way that my head and mentality was at that time, it was solely focused on football because I was so close to having it taken away from me. Mm -hmm. I felt as though, well, I'm not going to let it get taken away from me now without giving it the best opportunity that I can. And I thought maybe thinking what might happen after football might have been a naive decision, but I felt as though it would have been a distraction to me personally to to think like that in the situation I was in.
0: It makes perfect sense. And Again, I see it a lot and... It's a bit even with the junior soldiers. When I used to talk to them about injury, you know, if we're going into battle or whatever, and they wouldn't want to think beyond it, they would just crossed that bridge and they got to it almost. And um, was that something that mindset that you had? Was that something that you just saw across your teammates as well? Were they just none of them focused on what they were going to do next? All just living and enjoying what they were doing at the time. Um, there was a bit of both, really, because I come across a lot of uh, a lot of
2: lads that were doing extra. College work, and I've come across a lot of lads that were doing kind of um, courses on the side just because they knew at some stage. And I came across a lot of older pros that were kind of coming to the end of their careers, and hmm. they were focused on what they were going to do next. And I've had conversations with a lot of people, and even with my own parents um, about. So, what do you think you're going to do next? And I was like, I don't really know. I hmm. said because at the end of the day, I said my next could be okay, I have to start next year because my football career could finish. I said, I don't know when it's going to end. So I said, I don't want to focus on that because I'd feel as though that's bringing a kind of negative output on it for me, whereas I just felt as though the more positive I was being, and I think that was something that just set in my mind, the positive way that I was thinking towards football was giving me these extra years that doctors never gave me. So I felt as though the more I stay positive towards it and the more I train and the more I look after myself, the more years I'm going to get. And mm-hmm. that's the only way that I kind of looked at it. And that's the way I kind of spun it in my head that I'm not going to think about what's going to happen after football because, I've, like I say, I felt as though it could have been a distraction for me. But again, maybe looking back, I should have probably looked at it once or twice. But I think in, in that moment, I think it's hard for anybody to turn around and say to me, eh, Mark, what are you going to do after football? Because unless mm-hmm. they knew the full extent of the whole story behind me, they would never understand why I'm not focused on what might happen after football because nobody would be able to walk on my shoes to kind of know that my career is on a time scale different to somebody else who might be preparing for after football because I never knew when that
0: was going to be for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you, did you think yourself, or well, looking back now, did you think actually when I finish football, it, something will just fall into place, it's not going to be an issue?
2: Potentially, yeah. Um, potentially I felt as though if, if I do well enough in football, and, and I don't mean financially, I just mean as though mm. if, if you build enough reputation for yourself in football and, and build up enough contacts that maybe there will be something that might just fall into place and maybe there is something that somebody might give you an opportunity. to, And whatever that may be, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go at it with, with everything that I've got. But again, mm. it was something that um, I fell into that mode of just thinking it could happen, it might not happen. But for me, um, in football, again, like I, I can only always just keep saying that it was something that was just football was my driving yeah. force and everything that i done. So even though I maybe thought that things might fall in my way um, once football finishes, I never knew what that was going to be and sure. I never knew what it was going to be to present itself. So until then, I was always just going to keep on playing and keep on progressing and and like I say, see see where this valve was going to take me, and it it, it took me a hell of a long way more than I ever expected.
0: Absolutely, because you had you know several many more years really of playing after after that, didn't you? And you went to how many clubs did you go to in the end? I ended up going to three uh, to three more clubs, which,
2: like I say, I, I felt Derby was going to be the only club for me because they dealt with so much towards me, and it was a home from home, so it was difficult leaving that place, but. Again, they were memories that I made going to Motherwell in Scotland, going down to Luton and then coming to Newport that I've been here for the last five years. And mm. and like I say, going and doing them things opened my eyes to the bigger world of football to kind of realise that there are more to football than just Derby County. And it's not the end of the world. And I've come across a lot of different managers, different teammates. But again, people that I, I've come in contact with, I, I know I'm going to know for the rest of my life and they're – experiences and and memories that I always I always made a promise to myself that when I was 16 once I get back into football I'm going to make as many as many memories as possible Hmm. and I'm not going to have a single regret because I don't want to live with regret so whatever I do and wherever I am I'm going to give it everything that I've got no matter where it is and I'm going to make the best of memories and like I say i'm i'm lucky enough and i'm proud enough to say i can look back where i haven't got a single regret and i haven't got anything that i look back on and think maybe i should have done that better or maybe this could have went a bit easier i done everything that was that led me in certain pathways and like i said i've created some memories that some people don't get to achieve in their lives and that's something that i'll always hold close to me Mm
0: -hmm. and i think you know you said you're naive but i think you're very very strong and your approach is very mature as well you know and um for, for somebody of that age, uh, to have that drive and that that insight um, is, is quite unusual, I think. Uh, then about two thousand twenty, I think you did you did you have some issues again, and you kind of brought brought home the fact that you might retire, or what happened there? Yeah, um, it was it was going into the very
2: first lockdown when COVID only just started, and it came out into the news, and football took a bit of a break. Um, right at the beginning so we never really knew what was going on I was still in training each day and as you say it was it was one of them things where um, we went into lockdown and you had to keep fit so I was cycling each day and I was going out and I was doing me home workouts as you do and Mm -hmm. we were getting sent out programs to do to keep ourselves ticking over because we didn't really know that there was going to be a lockdown or the season was going to finish we didn't know anything so I just kept myself this fit but then one evening I remember I was sitting in my apartment and as I was laying in bed I got this massive like kind of palpitation and thump in my chest and I didn't know what it was and it kind of took me breath so I wasn't able to lay on my left hand side I didn't know what was going on and I was kind of a bit scary but I didn't know what it was so I went to sleep that evening so I spoke I spoke to the doctor the next day and I was like telling him about the the palpitations i'm getting in my chest and it doesn't seem right or it doesn't seem quite right and he was kind of to an extent saying to me like it could be this or it might be this like you had your scan six months ago and um, they said everything was out like they said everything was okay but potentially not okay so hmm. he said um i'm gonna organize you to get a scan down in, in cardiff so i said okay that's perfect so daniel Vaughan, our club doctor Mm-hmm. I think is is something that became more of a friend to me than anything through all of this because, as much of a club doctor he is, he is, he's done so much for me since, and it, like I could never repay him enough to, exactly like the people in Derby, he's 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 added to these kind of people that, like I say, he became more of a friend and there for my well-being rather than a footballer. Yeah, and and like I say, um, he got me a scan in Cardiff and. I remember I went down to get the scan and after I had it, the consultant pulled me into the office and he said, oh, Mark, um, your valve is que- is bleeding quite badly. And I kind of felt that sinking feeling in my stomach because I knew there and then that right, I'm going to have to retire. So even in the office in front of the doctor, I just broke into tears mm-hmm. and he was like, Mark, I'm sorry to have to tell you, but your valve is leaking, so you're going to need it repaired. And I said, so that means I'm going to have to retire. So he tried to like kind of fill me with a bit of confidence and said, no, there's procedures out there where you can play. And, and I said, no, I said, the procedure I know I'm going to be going for is a, is a metallic valve. And I said, I can't play with metallic valve. Mm-hmm. I said, because I'm going to be on blood thinners. He yeah. said, and you're not allowed to play sport with a blood thinner. No. So he was like, yeah, okay, I understand. And from 16, I made that decision. That wasn't something that was a split decision. That's why I always knew in my head, the next time this happens, football's finished. So that could have, like I say, that could have been in the first two years to the 10 years, 11 years that I got any time mm. in between that I was always going to retire because I wanted to give football one opportunity, see where it took me, have no regrets and then see what happens after that and it was, it was in that doctor's office I broke into tears. Um, I had to phone my family and, and tell them that my valve was leaking again so they flew over straight away. My mum stayed with me for a while and I just I just found myself just bursting into tears a lot and just and just like kinda of being so emotional about it because I think one, I was frightened about going under the knife again because I was a lot older and I knew the implications and I knew exactly what I was going in for. Yeah. I was I wasn't sixteen again. So I kinda of knew everything that was going on. Um secondly, like I had to retire from football, so I was losing my job, something that like was was my life basically. So to know I was losing that. That, that was something that resonated with me and hit me really hard and um, I remember I had to phone the manager at the time and I spoke with him and I remember the conversation we had I just I said to him he was like oh what's what, what's going on with you and I said I've just had a, a heart scan and he said okay so what's going on I said I need to retire and the, the phone just kind of went silent and he said seriously and I said yeah I need to retire I said football's finished and he even said himself, he got really upset and emotional on a personal level because, as I said, like there's not been many people that I haven't gotten along with in football, whether yeah. it's been a manager or, or a teammate, where as as a person and a friend, he, he, he was really upset for me. And like I say, the news broke that um, I needed to retire. Everybody got in touch with me. And players that I've played against and never shared a changing room with got in touch mm-hmm. with me. Managers got in touch with me that never... I never got to play play under. Other managers got got in touch with me that I did play under, and like I said, I was just getting this overwhelming feeling of so many people texting me full of support, and I couldn't believe it. I didn't think, like in your own mind, you don't think you come across like you come across people in football, but you don't think you're taught highly enough of because, <laughs> as I said, my career didn't go to the full extent of what you expect a career to go to playing in the Premier League and doing all these things, but. I made a career for myself and to see a lot of people reach out to me and um, that even in itself set me off and got me upset to think, Oh my God, like I, I can't believe it. And, um, so I had to kind of take one step at a time. I think the retirement at the beginning came easy to me because I knew I had to focus on open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. So then went in to get me open heart surgery. Um, that ended up being a success, a success um but i knew it was like a complete lifestyle change that i needed now so as my life was changing and as every like and as everything was happening for me um i started to develop anxiety i started to develop health anxiety i started to develop ptsd i started to develop panic attacks i i developed all these things that i never ever experienced in my life mm-hmm. and that was something that was so new to me because as I said, I, I'd be laying in bed one night and I'd start to feel really lightheaded. And before I know it, I'm cold in a ball. I'm shivering and shaking and I'm in floods of tears and I feel as though I'm having a heart attack. And all of these different things that were happening to me and I was too afraid to walk up and down a flight of stairs because I was too scared of thinking what might happen to my heart. I was too afraid to go into football in case I wasn't around the right people. Mm-hmm. Like everything. So when I'm trying to deal with the recovery of that, as well as on top of that, I know I've retired from football so I have no end goal to kind of get myself back fifth for to what I had at 16. So mm. I still had to try and find that next step to what was I going to do. So everything was like kind of one big storm and I went into depression. Um, like I said, I, I, I did struggle a hell of a lot and as I said I don't mind being open and honest about it now because it's something that I can't hide. It, it was part of me. It's something that happens to a lot of people and i think if i can be someone that can just be so open and honest about it and kind of share my side of it if i felt as though it's it's it has helped people along the way when i've come out on social platforms to speak about it because they are stuff that people have suffered with for a long long time and i know i was only new to it but i've i had people reach out to me and i've had friends that i've grown up with from the age of eight telling me they suffered with panic attacks and i never knew about it and i only that I opened up and spoke about it, that I was able to connect with them on a deeper level that I never knew I could. And they were able to understand me as much as I could understand them. And as I said, it's just opened up a whole different perspective and a different meaning to so many different things. And I just feel as though in the strangest way possible, um, I'm glad I went through it to kind of know now how to approach people and how to be and give me a different perspective on life. Rather than just, I'm not, I felt as though I lost me as a person. Um, I felt I, I felt as though I lost Mark the footballer, the alter ego, as I call it. Mm-hmm. That, that was half of me gone. What am I now? I'm just Mark who lives away from home. I have no purpose anymore to live away from home. So, like, I contemplated maybe go back to Ireland. But then I kind of snapped out of it a bit to say, right, I've created opportunity for myself here. I've created a life for myself away from home. I'd be too stupid to go and take the easy way out and go back home to Oil and I'm gonna kinda of fight this. So I've done I I've done my counsellings, I've done me C B T training, mm-hmm. I've 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 done me uh return to fitness with the physio and, and everything here at Newport, like from Daniel Vaughan, the doctor, to Lewis Binns, Tom Gittos, the two physios who, as I said, they, they they've all been amazing to me and and Newport County as a club welcoming me back in and letting me be part of the backroom staff to keep me in routine and get me head back on track. And like I said, all, all, all of these kind of kind gestures are stuff that I felt as though I was being a burden to people because I never ever experienced it before. I always felt as though I'm the person that when I was a captain of Newport County and I felt as though I was a leader of people, Like you come to me with your problems and I'll help you. I've yeah. never been the one to kind of reach out and ask for help. Yes, I, and when I start seeing that there's a lot of people out there that can help, mm-hmm. and Matty Dolan and Mickey Demetrio, these two players in the in in the team that are still playing till this day, they're like two of my best friends. Where I could call, like I I've I've called them at one o'clock in the morning, shivering and panicking in bed, and mm-hmm. they'll be at me door, and they'll come straight around and make sure that I'm okay. And like I say, that human aspect of it, I've just been very lucky to come across a lot of people like that. That. are are there for me, not just there for me because I played football and not just there for me because I had a career, they're there for me as a friend. And that's something where if it wasn't for football, I don't come across these kind of people. And as I said, I find myself that I was privileged not just to play football, but I was privileged to play football, to come across such genuine, nice people. And as I said, um, I owe a lot to football and I feel as though football saved me life um, because it was something that I got told I was born with that without getting without these routine scans um i probably wouldn't be here right now so yeah as i said when you hear those harsh realities of doctors telling you twice in your life you should be dead and Mm -hmm. i know it sounds a lot i know it sounds very crude and a lot harsh to say but that's the realities of what was getting told to me so that's why I, i share it in an extent to kind of say that's what's been on my shoulders but again um when you have a doctor and people sell you tell you them things but yet you're still here to speak about your story i feel as though that's my next purpose and that's my next kind of way in life to be able to express it and help people and maybe maybe be that person that other people have been for me through my difficult times maybe i can be that next person for somebody else with a small bit of a platform to be able to get the the word out there to help people
0: absolutely i think you know as a doctor myself i've i've broken that news uh, hundreds of times to people and it's you know it's never easy to change somebody's life in a sentence and um you know we're human too and it hits us as hard as it hits as it hits some of the people we're telling these things to I think now in the role that I work in I, I work a lot with athletes who are in that position of it's come to an end or it's coming to an end and they don't know what they want to do yeah and they may and they maybe don't have that or feel that they don't have that support or that infrastructure behind them to help them. There are plenty of people giving them what they think they should do, but Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily what the athlete really wants to do or needs to do. And it's something that's very personal to them and they need to find out what makes them tick effectively. And and that's kind of what I do because I, I come across a lot of people across sport that were maybe in the position you were in but didn't have that, really really good support behind them
2: yeah and and that's why i say i feel lucky that i did have that support behind me but then also i took a personal aspect to it to say as much as the support i had i knew it all still came down to me to -hmm. have to get myself out of these things and to go to the counseling sessions and to to put the hours into to not want to live the life of going the opposite way of letting it affect me so so bad i i experienced all the bad and i didn't like it Yes. So to be able to be that person that can be hopefully a success story for somebody who potentially could be going through it or might just be at the beginning of it or in the middle of going through it to know that there are people out there that have been so similar to them that mm. have gone through it and there is light at the end of the tunnel because like I said, I had the old cliche of people saying to me, why not be a manager or why not get your coaching badges done and whatnot? why not be a coach? And to me, yeah. that's something that is the stereotype of saying okay retired footballer goes into coaching and that's something that it didn't sit with me to think that's what I want to do and it would have been the easiest thing to do because football is all I know so yeah I still want to be involved in football but in a different capacity of maybe helping more and maybe on that mental side of sitting down with some of the younger lads and sitting down with with some of the older pros and some sitting down with people to kind of say okay like you're out injured like what's wrong with you and to be there on as I said that personal level that I know helped me a lot so if there's someone there that wants to care for you on a personal level it could give you that extra little 10-15% that you might need that arm around the shoulder and if I can be that for somebody to what I had I know it can help and like I say I don't want to be that go into coaching because I don't feel as though that's for me I feel as though the next steps of the stuff that I have come out and spoken about and I've had a lot of kind of good responses from it and a lot of people write back with certain things to me I felt as though, do you know what, there's something in this for me that this is my next purpose and this is my next goal. And the more that I've kind of honed in and and focused on that, the better everything has become. And I can see light at the end of the tunnel and I can see that purpose and success coming back to say, yeah, I'm getting back to me again. And surprisingly, I don't have to be a footballer to get that feeling again. And that's something that I missed for so long, where I had to be a footballer to feel that purpose. I had to be a footballer to feel that kind of drive again, to know. I need to play football to feel that again. And now I've started to realise I don't need that. And like I said,
0: Can you hear me, Mark? Can you hear me, Mark? Can you hear me? Hello, Mark. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. You dropped off there. Sorry. Oh, I didn't know what happened there. Um. <laughs> now, um. What? What part did I finish on? So <laughs> you were just to... saying, knowing that you were giving something back, and yeah, like I, th- I think it's just the point of knowing that I'm giving something back to the point of where um that that the, the whole cliche of be a coach just never sat with me and now that I'm following the path of that light at the end of a tunnel to kind of see that purpose, I don't have to be marked a footballer to feel that inside me anymore. I don't have to be that kind of person to feel as though I have to I have to play sport to feel a purpose or to feel that drive in me anymore and kind of doing, doing the stuff that I've done recently and, and doing a bit of media on the side like commentary towards football has kind of kept me in the football mould but branching off from that I'm kind of I'm excited now for my future and I'm excited to feel that passion and to feel that to feel that kind of um purpose again for myself and it's it's a feeling that I lost for about a year and a half to almost two years now but now that I can finally feel it come back like I it it didn't bother me that it's taken two years I'm glad that I have that feeling now whether it took two years to three years or whether it, it took as long as it did I was never going to stop until I found it again and now that I've kind of honed in on that it's it's something that I feel so much better and and it feels like a weight off the shoulders to kind of say yeah this is for me and now I know I have a a drive in me again to I want to progress and I want to be the best at this now and mm-hmm. that's something that that like I said um I've I've got going for me now which is which I'm I couldn't be happier about.
0: Well, I'm absolutely thrilled for you and um it's such a great great journey you've been on you know the, such challenges and the, the ability to kind of bring yourself around through the hard times and and then look beyond your own problems and look you know to those people that have helped you and and want to emulate them I think it's incredible um I really just want to thank you for spending your time chatting to me today and I'm hoping that lots of people find that real interest um can I just ask Mark if people want to get in touch with you um can you send me your contact details what I'll do is I'll put them on the podcast both visually and if if you've got something you want to say now about how people can contact you please just say it and uh, people can write it down
2: yeah like i think just people can contact me like obviously through the linkedin or me um twitter accounts um and obviously my instagram accounts and 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 places like that that people can can write messages to me and like i said i've i've written back to a lot of people through linkedin and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so if people want to get in touch and they feel as though that they, they they have something to speak about. I want to just, as I said, getting something off their chest uh, that they, they can relate to certain things that I've spoken about, then I'm more than happy to be open and, and, and help and speak people.
0: That's that's brilliant. Well, well, thank you. I'd just like to take this opportunity again just to thank you for being so open and honest and, um, you know, and kind of pushing the message that from, from a player's perspective that I'm pushing from that kind of supporting them in the, for things that maybe you've learned the hard way that, um hopefully we can make that, that transition a bit easier for people. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to say, Mark? Anything, any final thoughts or comments or any advice you want to give anybody? Um,
2: in all fairness, I, I don't think there's much advice that you can give. I just feel as though the only thing that I can say is, and, and this is from experience in it, is that there is a life after football or there's a life after sport. And it mightn't have to be the stereotype of, of, of what you believe is going to be the next thing for you because it's the sport you love. But for me personally, I just felt as though n- never never stop, no matter how dark the times get, or never give up on, on trying to find that next best thing and, and trying to keep yourself motivated and keep yourself progressing because at certain times there will be something that just falls into place or something that just clicks. And as you say, when it does, whether it's taken me two years to find it, mm-hmm. but... It's been a two years of full of experience and a lot of learning from me on a deeper level and more of a of a level about myself. That if other people are in the same kind of situation, that like you say, you 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 just have to keep progressing and pushing through because times do get better.
0: That's brilliant. I couldn't have said that better myself. And thank you so much for your for your time today, Mark. And please keep in touch. And as you know, you know we're in contact on LinkedIn. If I can help or vice versa you know you know where i am
2: yeah perfect
0: um i'm just going to call uh, an end there mark on the system that i'm using um mate it will just ask you not to log off on the browser while it just uploads it all and, and processes it so yeah. although it will come off the call if you just leave it open for a little while it will allow it allow you to process it and then email me the the mp3 file and i'll get it back to you
2: yeah no that's grand and, and as i said is is this something where
0: i'm going to have the link for where i can like, yes. obviously put it up and stuff yeah yeah
2: I'll yeah I'll be, I'll be
0: sending you a copy i'll get my guys to edit it um if you, the other thing i was going to ask you to do is if you can send some images across that you want or any logos or you know pictures of yourself playing or any anything you want to put in and what we'll do is we'll put those on the background because this is an audio podcast but we yeah. f- we'll get the guys to flash up and put put anything you want in the background while you're talking. yeah because got, i've got ones when i
2: played earlier and then yeah. obviously i've got ones after my second open heart surgery with all the yeah. tubes and everything coming out me, which you've seen on the LinkedIn, and then yeah. I've got, um, I've got ones where like I've been successful with Newport, and then I've got ones of what I've been doing with football since.
0: Fantastic, yeah. I mean, if and if you can, you can send me some of those, and then what I'll do, or I'll get the guys to contact you from the media team and send yeah. them across to them, and they'll be the guys that are splicing the thing together. So that would yeah. be really helpful. Perfectly. All right, mate. And if you, as I say, if you do a contact you know, a slide or something that just says how to contact you, we can put that on as well and leave it towards the end so that, you know, people can actually physically see how to get hold of you. Yeah, no problem. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. No, thanks very much. And um, I wish you all the best and I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. Take care, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.